This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Rob Faye. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 21st day of July 2021. And uh, yeah, this morning we wake up and the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. It is the first time since 1971, before even I was born, had the Bucks won a championship. So uh, congratulations to Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and the entire Milwaukee Bucks organization. They find their way to the finish line. And that's actually where I'm going to start our show today. Uh, I'm going to forget all the bells and whistles for the most part. You know, the lead and the VIP room and want to bet and all the segments that we usually do. Just want to talk about the state of sports right now. And then we'll get into a little bit of the social media element of it. But today I sat back and I said to myself, and I think Giannis even touched on it in his post-game press conference last night, about how sometimes you don't need to form the super team if you're going to win your championship. You think of Brooklyn, you think of the Lakers, you think of Miami if you want to go back a couple of years, Boston if you really want to stretch it back. These teams who get two to three big men all together at the same time and then they make their push. Houston tried to do it as well. You know, you think about Giannis in particular, how a year ago people were assuming that him and Masai Ujiri were going to get together and that maybe there was something with Toronto. And then all of a sudden, Giannis decided, nah, I'm going to stay in Milwaukee. I'm going to do it with the team that got me here, and we're going to win an NBA championship. And that comes to fruition last night. It's a big deal. And it sends a message to the rest of the league, and it sends a message to, if you think about it, it sends a message to sport as a whole that you don't necessarily need to be a part of a mega team to win. Does it increase your odds of winning? Probably. But at the same time, you sit back and you say to yourself, I like... Giannis and I like Milwaukee because they did it the old-fashioned way they built it from within they built it up they took their lumps I guess you could say they underperformed considering this is their first championship and they've had a pretty good team for a couple of years but you know what time means everything and they're the champs and I respect that I respect how they were built I respect that they stayed together and I respect their superstar Giannis Intentacupo for doing what he did so let's now focus on a few of the other things that are going on in the world of sports today. We now know who the champions of the NBA are. So let's move on to the rest of the world of sports. Seattle Kraken, as we speak, uh, announcing their roster. It's kind of trickling out. No carry price. So Montreal dodges that bullet of having their franchise goaltender all of a sudden picked up by the expansions. Kind of the way that Marc-Andre Fleury was uh, floated about and then actually taken by Vegas. I thought they would take Carey Price. I really did. I thought there might be something there. But uh, in essence, they don't end up taking them. I like what the Kraken are doing. You know, the Kraken had a little bit of a template in the fact that they got to watch what the Vegas Golden Knights did and how they built their team. But it's not quite as active and as busy and as stockpiley as what we saw in Vegas. Ron Francis and his staff in Seattle, they obviously had a game plan. And it was to work from the blue line out. And they are going to be... I don't want to say a tough out, but I don't think they're going to be the doormat of the NHL walking into the league, which is kind of what the league wanted with these two new expansion teams. They didn't want them to scuffle and struggle. I feel like there's a changing of the guard, don't you? Like, I think in the next couple of years, Detroit's going to be formidable. I think that the Kraken will be quick to get up to speed. I think there's going to be some teams that have been, Ottawa, for example. I think there's been some teams that have really struggled over the last decade that are going to get their act together and get it together quickly. And for fans in those cities, boy, do they need it. And uh, for teams like Vancouver, for example, 
we'll talk about the Canucks very briefly in a second. Um, I got a sneak of suspicion that that window is closing on a lot of this fan base faster than I think we anticipated. Let me explain. So right now, you're looking at Elias Pettersson, you're looking at Quinn Hughes, you're looking at Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, JT Miller. That's the core five, right? And maybe you could throw one or two players as peripheral around them. It's still a pretty good core. And with every year of experience, the highs, the lows, the playoffs, the non-playoffs, it's going to become a better team. But I have long said that in order, and I've said this forever, and people used to just tell me to f*** and now I just sit back and I'm like, I'm not saying I told you so, but it's going to be really important for us to remember that these core five are probably not going to be there at the finish line. Like, do they sign Elias Pettersson? Sure. Do they get Quinn Hughes in-house? Sure. But it would, it, it would not surprise me if Brock Besser got moved. It would not surprise me if Bo Horvat got moved. And it wouldn't surprise me if JT Miller got moved. Now, I know what you're saying. All three of them have great contracts. By comparison to some of the other stuff that's out there, there's going to be money freed up. Rob, just take a pill. But I also think you have to take into consideration the human element. Not every player wants to play with one team and one philosophy for their whole career. I have talked about this with a number of professional athletes at the end of their career where they said, you know what, I wanted to play in New York before my career was done. Or I wanted to play for a Canadian team at least once in my career because I wanted to feel the energy and the passion of playing hockey north of the 49th parallel. Like, we sit here and we just assume that these guys all want to be here from start to finish. There's a human element to this. And if you told me right now that Brock Besser wouldn't have any trouble going back to Minnesota, I'd say, come on, man, think about that for a second. Or that Bo Horvat, as much as he's loved being the captain here, wouldn't be okay or open to the suggestion of maybe starting fresh with an organization whose trajectory maybe is a little more different and maybe hasn't worn him to the nub. We all assume that our home, our team, is the gold standard. And I'm not saying that the Vancouver Canucks are not. I'm just saying that before we sit there and worry about salary caps and worry about everything that we put into this because that's just what the X's and O's say, never forget that there is a human component to those decisions. Nate Schmidt is a perfect example of, you know, we've had a lot of people that have come out and said, oh, you know what, looks like he's asking for a trade. And Jim Benning comes forward, the general manager of the Canucks, and says, no, 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 he's all right, we're good. But the reality is, is if you think about Nate Schmidt, and let's just use this from a human perspective. Schmidt was a young guy that was having the time of his life in Las Vegas with a good team, and all of a sudden, just because of the numbers, he became a little more expendable than probably Vegas wanted. Nate Schmidt was revered in Las Vegas. Fan favorite across the board, top to bottom. Effervescent personality, like to go out there, be jokey with the media, and the fans drank it up in a market that was still really acclimatizing itself to hockey in the long term. Then he comes to Vancouver, and in addition to pandemic seasons, in addition to trying to find his way with a new team, a new coach, a new organization, he all of a sudden is on a boat that is going in a completely different direction. And you think that he just got engaged? You think that he's gone from Las Vegas to COVID-riddled Vancouver, where all of a sudden half the team is setting up shop at home because they can't go to the rink? You think of all of these little things. I don't even know if he got to experience Vancouver. I just think when you take that into consideration, when you talk about the human element here, whether he has publicly come forward and asked for a trade or not, 
you can't say that it's not out of the realm of possibility. And it has nothing to do with checks and balances. It has nothing to do with the physical hockey. Sometimes guys just don't like the situation that they're in. And they want to go back to the States, or they want to go to a team that's winning, or they want to go to a place where it's not such a hammer and nail organization. I don't know. I just, I, I guess where I'm at right now is I look at the social media and I see what's going on. And I'm not talking about Canuck Twitter and all that nonsense. I'm talking more about just people are starting to come out of COVID in certain parts of this world. And I think COVID has taught us a lot about certain things that maybe we didn't think about. Whether we were in the media, whether we were an athlete, whatever we are. I think athletes now know after the last year and a half that we've been through. And it might even stretch into two years. Who knows what's going to happen in the States? Who's, who knows what's going to happen around the world? But the reality is, is I think the priorities in certain players' minds have changed. Like, realistically, you got a young family. Maybe you want to be closer to home. Maybe you want to be closer to your family. Maybe you don't care as much about hockey as you thought you would. Because now, all of a sudden, the world has changed. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden key players are going to retire, but I just think that the priorities of certain athletes now are starting to say, you know what, there's more to life than hockey. I don't know. I've really kind of bounced back and forth on this just because I think when you're making millions and you're playing in front of screaming fans and once everything gets back to normal, then everything will, quote, get back to normal. But I, let me put it to you this way. My life has changed so much in the last 18 months. It's hard to even keep track of it. I went from being a broadcaster with a professional baseball team to passing up on that so that I could focus exclusively on a late night radio show where the carpet got pulled out from underneath me a couple of months after I did that, to going to barber school, to getting a podcast that you're listening to right now and a sponsor like Equity Guru, who I owe my life to at this point, to all of a sudden starting a wrestling promotion. Like, you don't know that these things are coming. And you can listen to all those motivational tapes and videos that you want talking about how self-discipline is key and how you got to be thinking about it and how the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. I, I just sit back and I say to myself, if I knew what was coming, would I have made those same decisions? Because in real time, not being able to qualify for a lot of the government grants, it was tough. Like there were some moments over the last calendar year where I sat back and I'm like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get from A to B. And I'll never forget it. I went to do, and, and some of you that have listened to this show religiously have heard me tell this story before, but I decided I was going to try to do something in the trades. I went and I applied for a, a job where I was the sander for a guy that was doing drywall. And it lasted two days. And I would have done it more, but the safety standards in this certain site weren't uh, necessarily up to snuff. My wife was the one that told me, that I needed to walk away as I FaceTimed her 20 feet up on a piece of scaffolding that was uh, pretty flimsy. I mean, if I could go back in time two years, would I have done the same thing? Would I have gone and jumped around over the last year the way that I have? I don't know. But like I said, my mindset in 2021 in the you know late summer is a lot different than it was two years ago. So to take that now back towards these athletes who are human, who have wives at home, who have kids at home, who have situations that are larger than just going to the arena and playing hockey with their buddies and trying to make some money. It wouldn't surprise me if certain players went to their general managers and asked for trades. And you can't knock them for it at this point. You really can't. 
Like, if a guy wanted to be closer to home, closer to his family back in the States, somewhere where he felt more comfortable, that he could achieve more, let him go. Hard to do in a salary cap era because the reality is, is it's not as easy to just pick up the phone like Glenn Sather used to do back in the day and make a deal, be it with the devil or with another GM. Everything has to be thought out, but you can at least plant the seed. And I have to think that Jim Benning has heard that from at least one of his players, and I don't think he's the only general manager over the last couple of months that has probably heard that from a player. The world's different, man. The only other thing that I will say before we take our break here, and uh, again, I appreciate you just kind of being open to the concept of me just kind of rambling with you today. I'm not sure how much longer I want to do social media. Social media for me isn't a burden. It's just, uh, it's, it's gotten really negative, hasn't it? I know that I have to do social media like Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff because the businesses that I'm associated with, be it this show, be it the wrestling, be it anything that I'm doing, you have to reach out to the masses. You have to do it. But it's easy to do for the wrestling because you hide behind the logo, you hide behind the wrestlers, and realistically, you're just the guy that pushes the buttons. But the last year has been really tough. Like, just seeing the negativity there, how the world is kind of unraveling, Sometimes I feel it's okay to step away. Hard to do because it's such a habit. You know, on your iPhone, you can see how many hours a day you actually look at your phone. Whether it's to make calls, whether it's to surf the web, whether it's to play games. It's unbelievable the numbers that some of us put up on there. Like, it really is. So, no, not depressed. Just recalibrating. Just thinking about, you know, how the next stage is going to go. Because I'm super happy doing this show. I am super happy doing the wrestling, and I think I have finally washed myself of the fear that being out of the, quote, normal media would be something that I'd have a tough time handling. To be honest with you, not a lot of people in the media reach out anymore, and that's fine. I know when I went on this show a couple of weeks ago and said that I didn't think the state of the current media in Vancouver was very good, I knew I was going to wear that, so that's fine. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We've talked basketball. We've talked the state of the mind of an NHL player or somebody who wants to move. We've talked about the Kraken starting to build out their roster. we talked about the Vancouver Canucks. No, I'm not going to touch on Elias Pettersson potentially getting an offer sheet. I think that's been beaten like a drum in social media and in a lot of media outlets. So when we come back, let's talk a little baseball. We had a conversation about this yesterday. Got a lot of good feedback from you. So I'm going to start with your feedback before we get to what I think about Major League Baseball and its current state. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fain. Every show brought to you as always by my good friends at Equity Guru. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by Globex Mining, a mineral royalty company with 96 properties that has doubled in value since April. Globex owns assets in the area of precious, base, specialty, and industrial metals and recently sold one of its exploration properties to the giant Yamana Gold for $15 million, a lithium property sold to First Energy a week earlier. Their ticker symbol, GMX. For more information on Globex Mining, visit www.equity.guru. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.guru. 
Okay, welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Faye. This is your Wednesday edition. My thanks again to Jay Swing, producer extraordinaire for everything he does behind the scenes as well. Not sure if you caught this, but Brisbane has been awarded the 2032 Olympic Games. Now, I know that the Olympic Games right now marred in controversy and have been for some time. It's not just Tokyo and whether they should or should not have the games because we're in the middle of a pandemic. If you think back to the previous games and the IOC maybe taking money behind the scenes, I mean, this Olympics and its current iteration is really a turnoff to a lot of major cities. I know there were people that were hoping that maybe Vancouver would get into the 2030 bid for the Winter Games, but man, I wouldn't touch this thing right now. And just so you know, Brisbane winning the Olympics is quote-unquote winning the Olympics. They were the only city that was vying for those games. Yeah, they had no competition. So it was just whether or not they could get up to the standard that the IOC would see them as a big enough city to host the games. They've got about 70% of the infrastructure already in place. So yeah, they've got the games. Congratulations to Brisbane. They've got about a 10-year ramp to try and get this thing ready. Couple of games in between then and now. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I just, when I was a kid, I used to look at the Olympic Games as the absolute mecca, the absolute standard. I mean, Los Angeles and everything that we saw in Seoul. I mean, even Vancouver. We knew that there was stuff going on behind the scenes by that point, but the spectacle of it is still unbelievable to me. Atlanta, but what it's become is really off-putting for me. Like, if you said to me that, hey, Vancouver's going to host the Olympic Games again, I would sit back and think of all the negatives. I, God, I don't want to be the negative guy. Like, I want to sit there and be like, that's awesome. Who's going to score the golden gold this time? Who's going to be the person that stuns? Like, who's going to be that person up at Whistler that breaks the record, and all of a sudden we sit back and watch Montgomery run down Whistler with a big keg of beer? Jug of beer. I guess you can't run down the street with a keg of beer, unless you're really strong. But anyways, I don't know. Olympics just don't do it for me anymore. You know what made me realize that even more was watching Euro 2020. And I know that that's just a soccer tournament, but that was a spectacle. And that got the whole world into it. Like, even though it was just the Euros, we were all watching in Vancouver. We were all watching in Canada. They were all watching in the States. Everybody was watching this. And that's how you put on a show. But the Olympic Games for me is just so tarnished. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever get back there again. I just think it's an absolute liability for whoever takes it on. So, yeah, congratulations, Brisbane. And by the way, Brisbane is a mid-range city. It's not like Los Angeles. It's not like New York. Brisbane is a city that is on the rise. And so for them, this is a pretty big day. And I do, you know what? To be honest, I do congratulate them. It's just unfortunately coming at a very unique time right on the eve of Tokyo 2021. And uh, I don't know. I see what's going on in Tokyo right now. I mentioned this the other day on this show. I am going to be nervous until they finally get this one to the finish line. But you know what's going to happen is the production on television is going to be so good. And we're going to start to learn the stories of the athletes. And we're going to see the Japanese people and how they persevered. And we're going to fall in love with the games. The one thing that I can say when it comes to the Olympic Games is that they put on a good show. And sometimes they can skirt the issues that do matter and they might even bring it up but they might not but uh i say good luck to all the athletes to go there and i hope that they stay safe is is by the way is brian williams doing the games you know the host that's done like 20 games i want to say i you know what people used to make fun of brian williams because he'd be like oh it's three o'clock in charlottetown pei or it's 5 30 right now in in nunavut 
that guy did it so long, he is absolutely a staple. He is the face of the Olympic Games for me. So we were talking about baseball yesterday, and I was talking about the fact that right now the Seattle Mariners don't do enough in the Pacific Northwest to truly attract the Canadian fan base that is rabid for baseball. Like, we talk about this being a major league city. Uh, we talk about all the things that we should be doing when it comes to the world of baseball. And some of your feedback was, I really appreciated this. One of you guys wanted to remain anonymous, so I will honor this by saying, I will just read your text me. Rob, I love when you get into this conversation because to be honest with you, I am tired of hearing about all the Blue Jay fans that are in Vancouver. I am a lifelong Seattle Mariners fan, and more often than not, I am disappointed by the media coverage or lack thereof of Mariners baseball. I don't understand how the Mariners being two and a half hours away doesn't garner more interest from the fans here in Vancouver. That is a great thing to say, but you have to remember something. Who runs a majority of the television? Rogers Sportsnet. Who owns the Toronto Blue Jays? Rogers. So do you think that they're going to put a different team on your TV screen when they can bring you Toronto Blue Jays baseball? Not a chance. And I don't think that TSN has a lot of interest in baseball, especially Mariners baseball. I think you just got to look south of the border for Cairo or King TV or whatever it is. And yeah, or you know what you do is you just get MLB TV. It's 99 bucks for the whole year. You can play it on your TV. That's the play. I remember this year, I got it. I finally said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to get the $99. I'm going to pay for my MLB TV. And I got all the games. And I was super amped because now I can watch the Blue Jays on my phone. I can do it. Oh, 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 oh. You can't watch the Blue Jays if you have MLB TV because they are blacked out in Canada. Imagine that. MLB TV. You could watch any game anywhere at any time, whether it's live or whether they've cataloged it and you could just go back and pick and choose. But I cannot watch the Toronto Blue Jays because I'm in Canada, which means I have to download the Sportsnet Now app. I got to pay that fee and then and only then can I get the Toronto Blue Jays games. So essentially, I need two different apps if I want to cover up all the baseball. Well, I'll tell you what. And I, I'm not trying to say this to throw shade anywhere. It's made me start watching other teams. I didn't sign up for the Sportsnet Now app. I don't watch the Toronto Blue Jays. I watch them periodically, checking on Vladdy, see how some of the former Vancouver Canadians are doing, and that is it. I watch the Yankees. I've gotten into the Chicago White Sox this year. Watch some Cubs games because Ryan Dempster broadcasts for Marquee Sports Network. And, uh, yeah, checking on the Padres here and there. I just can't do it. There's so many good things on MLB TV, and then all of a sudden I got to log out and I got to log on. I know what you're thinking, oh, first world problems, but no, nah, I just, I don't understand if you're trying to build a fan base, why you would all of a sudden exclude them from being able to watch you on MLB TV. I know why, because you want to control your ad revenue. You want people going to your app so that you can get clicks, so that you can get sponsors. Like, I get it, it's the big, it's the big machine, yeah. If you want to watch the Blue Jays, that's how you do it. If you want to watch the Mariners, go to MLB TV. You can watch every pitch, every inning, and they do it in 4K resolution, which is as good as any TV you will find anywhere. This one coming from John H. on Twitter. He says, Rob, how come I don't get Vancouver Canadian highlights on the late night news? That is a great question. Simple answer is, in this day and age, they don't come out and shoot anymore. Like, 
maybe once a season, opening night or something like that, will a television station like Global um, or whoever it ends up being come out and shoot a game. And they do it just because there's not enough guys to go around. And, well, actually, let me back this up a bit. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what goes on behind the curtain. So, realistically, teams in this city pay for their opportunity to get covered. Aside from the Vancouver Canucks, who are obviously the big ticket item in this city, you pay to play. So, in other words, let's take the Vancouver Canadians. They would pay the province and the sun, whether it was a trade agreement or whether it was cash, whatever, for X amount of articles. Now, that's not a knock on Steve Ewan, who is actually writing the articles. He's still doing it as a journalist should and would. Trust me, the Vancouver Canadians don't get those full-page spreads if they're not bucking up in some way, shape, or form. Same for the Giants, same for the Fraser Valley Bandits, same for everybody not called the Vancouver Canucks. It is a business. Like, make no mistake about it. You want to place an ad, you got to buy it. You want it, it's the same. Everything's the same now because everybody wants the money. But I used to say that I didn't want to do anything in the newspaper. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, I haven't thought that anybody should advertise in the newspaper for years. I would advertise with the company, but I would do it all online. When is the last time that you've fingered through a newspaper, stopped at a specific ad, and thought to yourself, hmm, I'm going to go there? If it's a coupon, maybe. If you're looking at the brick and all of a sudden they got a couch that's $500 off, then maybe. But, nah, man. I think everything is digital because you can also follow the analytic. Like, I've said this long about advertising that, for example, when you um, bought advertising with my YouTube show, The Nation, I could show you how many clicks, I could show you how long they watched, I can show you if they were watching for your commercial or not, I could tell you everything. 18 to 49, men, women, all of it. Newspaper can't do that at all. Like, they could do it with their online analytic, but the physical newspaper, you don't know. The only physical, tangible number that they can give you is their distribution. And in 2021, nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody gives a shit how many people are, quote, reading the newspaper. They all look for it online. They all read it on their phone. The other thing is radio. Radio's numbers are ridiculous. You don't know who's winning that race. Like, we used to have this conversation all the time at the radio station that, you know, if we had a good book, cool, it was tempered excitement. And if we had a bad book, don't worry because the numbers are so skewed, you never know what's going on. The sales guys love numbers because they could go out and they could pop the cork and say, hey, we're number one, or hey, our numbers were up, or hey, we're doing good in this demographic. It's still a crapshoot, man. Like, the only place that I can legitimately say that if you're looking to do advertising and you truly want to see your metrics is online. And it's not even close. Like, the radio guys, they'll come out with this stupid thing every quarter or every couple of weeks and you can see where you're at and where you're not. Like, for example, a couple of months ago, I did this interview with Mark Donnelly, who used to be the guy that would sing the anthem at the Vancouver Canuck games. And then all of a sudden became an anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, and uh, the Canucks basically punted on him. He came on my show, and Trevor Martins, the program director, told me that afterwards we had recorded a 22 share, a 22 share of the market for a show that at late night was doing but a fraction of that. I mean, we were doing good numbers for late night, but we were definitely not even in the double digits, much less 22. The night that we had... My tirade on Francesco Aquilini and the Vancouver Canucks, we hit double digits again. And I just remember 
thinking to myself, like, you know, how would I be able to sell that to an advertiser? Oh, every once in a while we have the needle move? It was just too vague. But I would go to the social media of TSN and I could see everything. I could see the Facebooks, I could see the downloads, I could see the tweets, the retweets, the engagements, everything. And I thought to myself, boy, that's how you do it. So then when TSN 1040 evaporated and we were all looking elsewhere, I immediately thought I want to go online. Because the only way that I'm going to be able to actually sell my show is to make sure that I can look the people that are buying this from me and look them in the eye and say, I can tell you if this is a successful campaign or not. Like, I'm sorry that I've taken your very simple question and taken it into a 5-10 minute, you know, explanation of things, but that is how this industry works. Newspaper is like honestly throwing mud at the wall and hoping that it forms a number. Like, that's how vague it is. Radio is not much better. They've got this company that tells you they've got the numbers. There's no way that you can get an accurate gauge on this. It can't be done. So if you're going to do advertising, and trust me, this is not a pitch for this show or any show. It's just me telling you the truth. If you want to advertise, you might as well pass right past the newspaper, right past the TV, right past the radio, and go digital. Like, realistically, man, if I could just, like, shoot from the hip, just get online. Because then... You can call those companies and say, hey, man, we got a promotion. We want to put it here, and we want to see the metrics that come of it. And I'd be like, absolutely. And do you want to focus on men? Do you want to focus on women? Do you want to focus on people in Surrey but not in Burnaby? Do you want to make it exclusive? Like, you can pinpoint your campaigns to the nth degree online. Nobody else can make that claim. Not even close. And if they do, they're lying to you. All right. One more quick topic, and then we're going to pull the shoot on this. I do want to circle back onto the world of sports. We talked about how Brisbane was able to get the Olympic Games because it was basically, quote-unquote, uncontested. And I'm not trying to say that like a jerk. So anyways, big day today, according to Adam Schefter, who covers the NFL for ESPN. Fred Warner, he's going to stay in the Bay Area. Five-year, $95 million extension with the San Francisco 49ers. That is $40.5 million in guaranteed money. That's a big deal for him. And it also makes him the highest-paid linebacker in the history of the NFL. I wonder what a guy like Lawrence Taylor would have gotten in 2021. Anyways, Warner's 24, started in all 16 games, 125 tackles. He is a big part of San Francisco's defense, was named to the Pro Bowl, and was a first-team All-Pro both for the first time. So he cashes in on a very good season for the 49ers. All right, let's wrap up today's edition of Sports Bar Radio. Don't forget, Nation Extreme Wrestling going to unveil three new members of its stable. They'll do that around lunchtime today. So if you're on social media, hit up Nation Extreme Wrestling. And on this show, we'd love you to share. We'd love you to subscribe. We'd love you to like. Let's continue to build this monster as well. I am so grateful that you've joined me for Sports Bar Radio today. Until we do this again tomorrow. Oh, yeah, man. Five days a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sports Bar Radio is in the house. And, uh, again, have it delivered right to your phone. You can have it as your lunchtime listen. Maybe you're commuting home from work wherever you listen to your podcast. I'd love to be a part of your day. My thanks to everybody at Equity Group. To Chris Perry, thank you for everything that you've done. My thanks to Galen, setting up interviews, making sure we can get this show going. To J.P. Chung and to the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. I will meet you right back here a couple hours from now. This has been Sports Bar Radio, presented to you by Equity Guru. Have yourself a fantastic day. 
Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.